Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Tooele Happy Hour, starring Jared Anderson and David Weiss, where if Head Trauma had a podcast, it might sound like this. You're getting real good at that. I am, I know, right? Yeah. Soon I'm going to get paid or something. Right? <laughs> uh, anyhow. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very interesting guest. So our topic about the border last week it is now expanding. We're having a second podcast. And we our, our guest today actually lives on the border. He has uh, boots on the ground knowledge of what's going on. I'd like to introduce Tim Foley. Tim, can you introduce yourself to our guest, please? Yeah. Uh, like I said, my name is Tim Foley. Uh, I live on the Arizona border, about 75 miles southwest of Tucson. I've been down here 13 years. Uh, I decided to come down. I was in construction, building high rises, running 150 men. And at that time, uh, Obama was in. And uh, he said, don't worry, they're only coming and doing jobs Americans wouldn't do. And don't worry, it's safe and secure. Well, 08 happened. I went from 85000 a year to 12000 a year overnight. And 75% of my guys that I was running couldn't speak English. They were all illegals. And so when the housing collapse happened, uh, I lost everything and said, I got to go see if the second lie, which was, don't worry, it's safe and secure. And I came down here and shook my head and said, you're kidding me. Uh, so I've been down here 13 years. Uh, I started an organization called Arizona Border Recon, which is comprised of mostly military and law enforcement veterans. And uh, we are a extra set of eyes and ears for Border Patrol and also to let people know across the planet what's going on. I mean, 99% of my media is outside of the U.S. The U.S. already media already knows what's happening or so they think. And so they don't, they don't come down to talk to me. Mm. So what, what is your background? Are, are you a previous military yeah, I was uh, 82nd Airborne when uh, Ronald Reagan was president. And uh, so not much happened then. But uh, yeah, so by doing this with my, uh, I'm 63 years old. And uh, most of my guys are a little over half of my age. You know, they're in their mid, late 30s now. And my number two has five combat tours and uh, another one of my guys has five combat tours. And uh, by doing this in the past few years, you know, I've had six come to me and go, thank you. You saved my life by doing this. You know, it's given them a purpose. And uh, what we do, not everybody can do it. It takes a certain mindset to be able to sit on a mountaintop for days on end uh, in 110 plus degree heat all the way down to zero degrees in the pouring rain in the snow. So um, by them telling me that what I 
actually have done recently is I started a veterans nonprofit organization, and uh, that's called Arizona Veterans Retreat. We just purchased 10 acres of land. Uh, we're getting ready to do our first building, and uh, I said, if we can help a few, why can't we help more? You know, everybody, we forgot what community is, and we forgot that we need to take care of each other. We can't depend upon the government. Tim, how long did it take you to start a 501c3? Did You had to apply for like a, a tax exemption and you had to ask permissions. Was it was that a struggle for you or, or were they resistant? Yeah, dude, I, I would rather be out in the mountains chasing bad guys <laughs> than sitting around and doing government paperwork. What a nightmare. I mean... There's federal, once you get their blessing, then you have to do state, then you have to do the banking, and you have to do, and believe me, admin, I hate it, but to do it, you know, to make a difference, I just sat down, buckled down, and did it. I mean, but every year you have to file more and more paperwork with state, federal, bank, everybody. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a pain in the butt, but, you know, it's for a good cause. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm here for. You know, I mean, call it fate, call it destiny. Every choice you make in life leads you down a road. And this is where I'm at. And by doing what I started doing, I'm helping veterans. So I said, well, let's keep going. Let's do it. Even though I'm 63 years old, you know, God only gives you as much as you can handle. And I guess he thinks I can handle a little more. Mm. Yeah. Keep on trucking, man. That's, that's a fantastic achievement. I think uh, the people that do that for us veterans, I think that's, that's very kind of them, very charitable. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of uh, handshaking and baby kissing and, it's a lot of work. Uh, people, people don't realize, you know, these people that create these 501c3s, I mean, if, if they're not just trying to, you know, like make money, make money, the ones right. that are doing the work, they are putting well, see, a lot of work into it and, and it costs them. It costs them significantly. Well, and that's the difference between uh, us and a lot of the vast majority of other veterans organizations, because to be a charity, you only have to give 13% of what you raise to what you say you're raising it for. The rest can go to everything and anything. And vast majority of these big veterans organizations are all making six figures a year. Mm -hmm. Whereas I tell people, this is not about me making money. And this is not about my quality of life. This is about their quality of life myself and all my board members and my grant writers are all doing this for free. We don't take any money and that's how it should be. You know, if you're trying to help help, but don't become rich off the back of saying you're helping and you are helping, but you're not helping as much as you could help. It's kind you know? of a crazy notion. You bring up uh, charities helping out the, namesake I, d I don't know if that would uh i don't know how that'd go in this modern world yeah it's i i've got one donor who's uh, been backing us and they contacted us and they're going 
look, we give to two of the biggest and we give them $75,000 a year. But we're looking for a veterans organization with low administrative costs. And I said, well, you can't get any lower than zero. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I live on 800 bucks a month. Well, I just got a cost of living increase on my social security. So I'm at about a thousand bucks a month. <laughs> That's what I live on is a thousand dollars a month. You're so spoiled. Up, well, that'll get up. you what? 15, 16 eggs. <laughs> yeah. I live in a 44 year old mobile home. Mm. You know, I, my truck has 430,000 miles on it. What kind of truck is it? It's a Chevy Silverado. All right. There you go, guys. Silverado well, but, uh, runs forever. But, you know, it's we've been conditioned as a society that you need the newest, latest, greatest, most and consume, 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 go into debt, go into debt, go into debt. And, you know, people just they, they most people are sheep. And they believe it, you know, they watch too much television. That is, uh, that is definitely the current model and it's free money for the banks, you know? Yep. But walk us through, um, when you're, when you go out on patrol, uh, walk us through what your day is like then and, and let us know what do you do when you encounter, uh, uh, illegals coming across the border, uh, you know, what is your processes that you do? Do you guys have like an SOP, things like that? Oh, yeah. You can go to our website, ArizonaBorderRecon.org. Our rules of engagement and our standard operating procedures are there for everybody to see. We're not trying to hide and be, you know, I mean, we've been called everything in the book, but if you go to the website, you'll see how transparent we are and what we do. But, uh, how this is works is my uh, volu- this is all volunteer also, you know, except for the, you know, I've spent over 200,000 of my own money. I cashed out two pensions to buy all the gear and everything we need. But what happens is I go out sometimes just me and my dog. I get a pit bull. He's my eyes and ears when I'm out there. Or I'll go out with one or two guys, and I have trail cams set up out there. And I'm a certified tracker, so I can read the story on the ground. I can tell where the recent activity is versus the old activity on the trails. And if I see good recent activity, I'll put cameras on those trails. We monitor those cameras for oh, four or so weeks, and once a week I'll drop in and pull the card out, put a new card in, come back and see what's on it. And if it is hitting as good as the sign on the ground says, then I'll put an email out to my guys and say, hey, this date to this date, we're going to be out there. Uh, Who can make it? And usually I'll get anywhere from 12 to 18 that comes out for seven to 10 days at a time. And we break up. The biggest we'll do is four-man teams. But we'll send two-man teams up on the different mountaintops uh, that have good visual of the trails. And they will alert us when a group is coming through and they just sit there. And what happens is the group will come past them and they'll give them about five minutes 
then they'll drop in behind them and then we'll push in in front of them. And uh, usually they, when they see you, they just, it's called grenading. They just, like a frag grenade, they just go every which direction. But uh, normally to make faster time, they'll drop their packs. So we collect up all their packs so they don't have uh, the uh, logistics to keep pushing forward. Because when they cross the border, uh, if they're going to do the hike to Tucson, they're looking at five to seven days. And But recently, well, for a little over a year now, two years now, God, time flies when you got a bozo running the show. Uh, as soon as Biden got in, he closed all the uh, checkpoints. And so they would only have to come in so far and they would get in vehicles and they just drive out. But we've been in the past year, there's just so many vehicle chases and car crashes. And so DHS underneath the, the Cuban uh, Mallorca has decided to open the checkpoints again to cut down on the amount of deaths in the traffic accidents. So when Trump was in, we'd call Border Patrol and they would come down and pick them up. But now with uh, the clown in chief, uh, we get right down on the line in less than a quarter of a mile from the line. And when we come across a group, we push them back into Mexico. Uh, and then we'll watch it. We have the guys up on the hilltops and watch them to see if they try to go a mile or so to the east or the west. And then we just move around with them and we just turn ourselves into a human fence. Hey, Tim, are they are they uh, coming with, uh, are they acting as mules and bringing people over to stay? Are they themselves wanting to stay? Are they trafficking drugs? Are they human trafficking or a combination of all the above? All the above. Uh, I just pulled some, uh, and it's the first time I've ever seen it in 13 years on my cameras. Uh, but two, three weeks ago, I pulled the camera and uh, two o'clock in the morning, you got a coyote going by, followed by, eight little girls and I mean they were probably anywhere from 10 to 14 years old mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I've never ever seen that before I mean I've seen dope loads coming through I've seen bad guys coming through I've seen terrorists coming through I've seen just cartel with AK-47s coming through I've seen rip crews everything but never have I seen eight little girls being brought in by one coyote? Were they, were they tied or were they? No, they're just, you know, it's, they don't know where they're going. So they follow them. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's, you got to come down to see this area. It is so vast, so huge. So the, the terrain is some of the most brutal terrain around i mean my guys with tours from afghanistan goes holy cow i'm back in afghanistan it's just straight up and down mountain after mountain after mountain after mountain for days and uh so it, it's it's it, like i said it's a different world down here and this is not like 
Texas where everybody's coming over with their iPhones and their Sunday best and just walking up to Border Patrol. This here, everybody's in camouflage. They're wearing carpet shoes. They have camouflage backpacks. These are people who don't want to be caught. Uh, since Biden's been in, Border Patrol estimates are 1.2 million gotaways. Those are ones that they've seen on camera or helicopter or their ground sensors. And that's their estimate. And I would imagine that that's low because now that's but about averaging about 75 to 90,000 a month mm-hmm. in gotaways. Now, I have a, a particular really good friend of mine who just, he's about two years into his Border Patrol tour. And, and I asked him, have, have you ever heard of this guy, Tim Foley? And, and he responded, I have never heard of him, but I appreciate what he and his men are doing. The article is right. We don't have enough manpower or resources for the volume we are facing. For our AOR has the most getaways in the U.S. And it isn't for lack of effort. You can only do so much and be so many places. So, you know, our, our, our Border Patrol, they, they are desperate for manpower. Oh, yeah. I mean, the line agents love us. It's the ones that are sitting behind the desk up high who hate us because we, we pull their covers. We expose, you know. See, the higher-ups have a, a catchphrase. Arrests are up, it's working. Arrests are down, it's working. So no matter which way you go, hey, right. it's working. But they, it's not. They, they need to write up their uh, enlisted performance reports somehow and, and, and make themselves look good in, in all government agencies, especially yeah. the higher up the chain you go. You, no matter what, you have to make yourself look good in order to be promotable. And and that's oh, yeah. just, that's that, that is part of our system in the government. Yeah, they're just trying to climb that GS ladder before mm-hmm. they retire to collect a fatter paycheck. You know, but uh, if they actually pounded the ground out here, they would see it's a freaking nightmare. I mean, I'm eight miles from the border, but where we go, it takes me an hour and a half to get down there because of the roads. And then once we get to that point, then it's all on foot. Where we go, Border Patrol doesn't even go anymore. It's too dangerous for them because they're they're a union and the union makes their workplace safety rules. So when you say it's too dangerous, are you talking about like, are they using artillery? Are they using missiles? Are they using just snipers? <laughs> well, when we go out there, uh, there's two factions separated by about three quarters of a mile. They're both posted up on hilltops just on the other. We, I've been watching these two factions since October of 21. And uh, we'll sit up there and watch them do little skirmishes. I mean, they're running belt-fed RPKs. They're running 50 cal rifles. Uh, they they got some firepower over there, and so they don't want border patrol caught in the middle of it. So they tell them just stay away, mm. which makes it actually easier for us because, <clears throat> according to government estimates, 25 to 30 percent of border patrols on the take. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
So who do you talk to? Well, they're on the tape because of the price of ammo. That's all. <laughs> you know how much? You know how much they get paid? A border patrol? Yeah. They make they're, GS they're probably eventually. ninety to one hundred twenty thousand a year. Are they not? Oh, I mean, from the cartel. Oh, oh. I couldn't even imagine. Fifteen thousand a month. Hmm. Hey, Tim, you know, maybe a good story. When Tim came out here a couple of years ago for the Weekend Act event and we did security for him and uh, General Flynn and stuff, uh, Tim shared a great story with me. I think it'll be good for your listeners. Remember the story you shared with me about uh, how you went to Washington and shared all the data and information and they took that and created a uh, movie and stuff? I think that'd be great to hear if, if Dave and these guys want to hear this stuff. I think it's great showing uh, a good foundation of what happened and how it started. Do you want to hear it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, basically, uh, it came off my uh, trail cameras. Uh, and the hard part about trail cameras is they're motion activated. And so when sometimes I'll get 630 second videos of the wind pattern wind patterns of southern arizona <laughs> and so i had two cameras in the same location separated by about 50 feet one in a wash and one by a fence because i knew they came over this fence well it wasn't much of a fence it was probably four foot high uh that was our border and i started going through these videos i was just getting ready to get rid of it and say screw it it's wind and I came across a set of scouts going by the camera. So I said, okay, there's something happening. And in that area, there's only one scout mountain in the U.S. that they use from that location. I kept watching that one camera, the videos, and uh, in a two-and-a-half-day time period, I saw four sets of scouts going by the camera. And I said, well, something's up because – you don't need that many guys on one hilltop. So I started going through the other camera. Between the two cameras, there was 1,200 videos. So I got to a point where uh, in the second camera, I saw six armed cartel come in on horseback. And they were uh, escorting a guy. And they were all gathered around him. He was wearing a track suit, had tennis shoes on. And I said, there's your guy. He's a high-value target. And uh, he was a Muslim. You could tell by the way his beard was shaped and how clean it was and everything else. And uh, so they let – they put four sets of scouts in front so that they could get him through past all the Border Patrol. So when I saw this, I tried to give it to uh, – the Tucson station up here. And they're going, well, you know, if it's down there, it doesn't matter. And I said, look, if it's down there, he's already in. So it should matter. And they didn't want it. So I called the contact of mine and uh, said, I got some video. Somebody has to see. And he lives in Phoenix, which from here is about a three and a half hour drive. He goes, I'm going to DC tomorrow. And this guy, I called the introductor because he knows people. He knows everybody. I mean, he was instrumental in uh, when Biden pulled out of Afghanistan. They sent all the uh, all the former spec ops went in to help get people out. He was instrumental in setting that up. But uh, so I put it all on a thumb drive, 
drove three and a half hours to Phoenix, gave it to him. He took it to D.C. He gave it to the DOD and he gave it to DHS. And uh, six weeks later, he called me up. He said, what are you doing? I said, oh, not much. And he goes, well, want to go to D.C.? I said, sure. So we went to D.C. and uh, we went to the Pentagon. And I had lunch at the time with the, who at the time was the Deputy Secretary of Defense in charge of counterinsurgency and counterterrorism. And uh, he said that was excellent intel. He said we did facial recognition. The guy in the tracksuit was a Syrian on a terror watch list. We picked him up two weeks ago in D.C. He said three of the armed cartel were high up in the cartel. Um, They were plaza bosses. And he says, you know, we kind of know what's going on on the border, but your intel is a lot better than ours. And I was going, wow, that's uh, quite a thing to say. But uh, we we have a documentary out there done in our infancy. It's I think it's still on Amazon. Uh, it's called Cartel Land. And uh, it's about two different groups, one on each side of the border, going up against the same people. It's uh, won all kinds of awards around the world. And, and yeah, these two cartels, these two cartels are at war with each other, correct? The ones by us, yeah, right now. They've been in there for two years now. Yeah, it's about, I've been looking into this. Uh, you got the Calisco New Generation. Calisco New Generation. Yeah. CJNG. Yeah, they're the, they're the brutal ones. They're the, they're, see, they make the, the ones Zetas we have down crazy. here are basically the both. They're both Sinaloa. Yeah. But cool. half are aligned with El Chapito, which is Chapo's kids, and the other half are aligned with El Mayo, which is his lieutenant. And they're fighting for control of the whole cartel. Well, yeah, once El Chapo got taken out. Um, Creates a power vacuum. The Sinaloa kind of went crazy. So this Calisco yep. New Generation. Calisco. Cal- yeah, however you say it. they, They're... <laughs> Mexican special forces. They're they're trained by our. That was the Zetas. No, the Delta the Zetas were trained by our Rangers. They're the next level up. Well, the uh, CJNG is the most trained, Mm -hmm. most armed, uh, most dedicated. I mean, see what we're seeing is they're pushing into Arizona right now. Yeah. They're on the eastern side of Arizona. And while these two from the same cartel keep banging heads with each other in the back door is going to come in the heavy hitters. Well, the heavy hitters gonna, come in here, all what, things are going to change. What's going to happen when they make a couple of uh when they have a street fight or a war that's on this side of the border that happens to catch uh, some U.S. civilians in line, you know, say say 10 of them, we catch them on camera. What's going to happen then? Are we still going to have good relations with Mexico? Well, oh, never mind, Biden's in charge. Uh, never mind. That was a bad question. See, you, you, He'll probably mail them the awards. See, it's, it's, 
it's already happening, but the media doesn't report it. I mean, it's been going on for years. I mean, look, at there's uh, Brian Terry, Border mm-hmm. Patrol agent that I met two months before he was killed. And I met him over just east of Nogales. And That's the he guy was from killed. up here in Ogden. Huh? That's the guy from Ogden, isn't it? Ogden. No, Utah. that's uh, Chris. Oh. Well, there's been three Border Patrol agents in the past 10 years that have been killed by cartel in the United States. Uh, and, you know, a couple of years ago, about 40 miles north of the border, they found a headless body. Mm-hmm. His hands and his head were gone. Mm-hmm. And the media kept it quiet, and I made my contacts. I says, and they never reported it like that. They just said they found a body on a dirt road. And I said, he's missing his hands and his head, isn't he? And they're going, how do you know? I said, I saw the guys that did it at the store where I lived heading back into Mexico. And they had to bring the head back as proof. You saw them in the store, what, like buying a Red Bull or something? or like? Yeah. Huh? Yep. There was uh, four of them. One stayed with the vehicle the whole time. The other three got out. They started looking around. One went in the door. Two kept looking. Then one went in the store, stood by the door, while the other two got their uh, cervezas and shit and came back out. And I... I've seen van loads of guns going through the fence. I've seen, you'd be amazed at what I see down here. Goes on day after day after day. What was it? Two weeks ago, wait, February 9th? February 9th. Uh, Border Patrol helicopters flying real low and long time outside my house, just about, you know, half mile, mile away. And I was going, all right. There's a group in the hills, don't know, because Border Patrol's so busy, I'm going to shoot over there and lend a hand. So I go out, strap my nine on, jump in my truck, and I start going out my driveway, and this Toyota Tundra four-door, four-wheel drive come pulling in my driveway, and they almost hit me, and I stopped and looked at him, and the guy's looking over and going, he couldn't speak English, and he's going like this, circular motion, like, I need to turn around. I was going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was wearing a red flannel shirt, but I looked and you could see the camouflage underneath his red flannel shirt. The guy sitting next to him had camo on. There was a tarp in the back. It was rolling around. I go, hey, turn around. So I went up to my gate, threw it in park, turned it off, jumped out, grabbed my pistol and started screaming, get on the fucking ground. Oops, sorry, don't like to swear. No, you're fine. And that's when the... uh, We're in Utah, you're good. Huh? We're in Utah. You're good. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, there's 13 in the truck, and they just scattered. And uh, we got 11 out of the 13. And that was two weeks ago at my house. So what were they carrying in the truck? These were just guys who didn't want to get caught. I'm sure they all, vast majority of them had records. That's why they were coming through this way. Mm. And uh, I asked Border Patrol if I could keep the truck. And they go, nah, you can't. It's a beautiful Tundra four-wheel drive. Mm, yeah, but, those uh, are good trucks. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that's a, that's actually a serious question that I that I have in my mind is like, all right, if you're out in patrol as a civilian group, and you and and you end up coming across 
coming across items, do you have to turn them in or do you consider them lost and found or, or what is, well, it's like if they're, if they're just packing food and stuff, they get some good food. We'll divvy it up amongst us. Uh, I guess what we do also, they have real nice wool blankets and I know a veterans organization that takes all the wool blankets and gives it to homeless veterans. And so we collect the blankets. Uh, I could open up a camouflage backpack store. I got so many of those little things. But so, uh, so what Dave's saying is if, if you do that and they, they all scatter and they drop their rucksacks or whatever they're doing, do you have to turn that into Border Patrol or you just kind of uh, hypothetically put it in the shed? Well, it depends on where we're at. If we're all the way down at the line, we push them back in and they'll leave their mochilos, as they're called. And uh, then we'll just confiscate them, go through them. But if we're anywhere else and Border Patrol's around, we go here, take their crap with them. Yeah. But I tell my guys, make sure you're wearing gloves now. Because yeah. when I first started, a Mexican coming across was paying 2000 bucks. Mexicans are now paying eight to 10,000 and it goes up from there. They just caught a group of Chinese and they were paying almost a hundred grand a pop. Yeah. I saw that. I saw the Chinese come over. And, uh, so there's a lot of money involved in it, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. and so, uh, it, it all depends on circumstances. And if you can't pay that $10,000, or 8,000 or whatever it is, they might tell you, okay, here, you get to carry this kilo across. So my guys in the beginning, you know, when they were just trafficking pot, we looked through them, no problem. But now with the fentanyl and all this other crap out there, you know, you better be make sure you're wearing gloves. I mean, we carry Narcan with us now. Mm. I mean, yeah, you, your story, uh, your story went a little deeper, and this rolls into this and how they pay. Was that um, they turned what you had found on your cams and you went to DC into a movie? Yeah, you know, so uh, that's interesting. And the other thing is, in the movie and in real life, uh, sometimes they couldn't pay, and they end up having to work in the U.S. Pay off their debt, right? That's another big problem here. That's where sex trafficking comes in yep. uh, quite heavily and stuff like that. Well, we got a group, uh, and the only other time we'll hold them way down there, because the last time we did it, we held on to them for a little over five hours before Border Patrol could get to us. Uh, but there were two females in the group, and they were sisters, 19 and 21 years old, both from Mexico. And we asked them, you know, uh, how much did you pay to come across? And they go, well, we didn't pay anything. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so where were you going? She goes, oh, they didn't tell us where we were going. It's like, you are so lucky that we stopped this group because you were going off into the sex trade. Yeah, wow. And they finally realized it, and uh, they were thanking us. You know, thank you. I mean, you should be thanked, Tim. That's an incredible save, just on its own. Yeah, you know, it's the little girls that really pissed me off. That's I wish I was out there for that one. I mean, that's where you would administer what they call desert justice. Yeah, we spoke about that last week, the three S's, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I've got a question. Um, sure. So in your area, I've heard that it, along the Texas border, uh, they're not getting many Mexicans crossing. They're getting mostly uh, Hondurans and and other nationalities. Along your border, are you seeing that where the majority well, of them are? Like I say, where we're at, we are getting people who don't want to get caught because it's so... Uh, the terrain is so brutal and uh, it's not flatlands like Texas or Yuma. Yuma, they're getting uh, Russians and Ukrainians mm. that are bailing out so they don't have to go to war. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody and their brothers coming right now. I mean, if you're broke and you're living in Africa, how did you pay for a plane ticket to get to Mexico and then pay the to cross? You know, it, it's somebody's paying for all this. Somebody's doing this on purpose. If you look at what's happening across the planet right now, it's the largest mass migration in the history of man. And if you look at it, they're only going to white European Christian nations. And if you look at it even closer, look at it closer. They're only going to NATO nations. Mm. Australia, so, so we built something good and people want it is is really what's no, going on we built something good and somebody wants to destroy it yeah that, uh, yeah you look what happened to england right jared england a few years back it got flooded with the muslims yeah. went over to england right yep yeah. massive amounts same with uh france all of those places france, are, Sweden, all of western europe is being invaded germany yeah. i mean you've got you've got uh what three holdouts over there you've got uh Hungary. Poland, Hungary, and uh, Belarus. Yep. And I think those are the only ones that have been holdouts on that. Yep. Oh, I love Obergon from yeah, Hungary. Yeah, I like, I love watching his interviews. He, if, if he could, with a straight face, call the, uh, that last time he interviewed that with that chick from, I think she's from Germany, he all but called her a dumbass. Yeah. That was beautiful. Oh, yeah. Well, he got, went in front of the European Union and says, screw you. We're not allowing uh, yeah. immigrants. It's going to destroy our sovereignty and our culture. He essentially said, uh, my country doesn't want this and I represent them. Yep. And that's the sad thing about most politicians is they'll tell you one thing, then turn around and do the exact opposite. It's kind of a crazy notion of politician representing the people, but, you know. Yep, yep. I mean, dictatorship's got a dictator. Yeah. You know. Hey, hey Tim, how, how, how many groups do you think there are of private individuals that go around doing this kind of community service on the border? Not many. Maybe one other. Yeah. I mean, you'll get people that come down, oh, yeah, we're going to go down. And then when they get down here, we had a, my contacts they'll call me and go hey what do you know about this militia and it's like i don't know anything and i wouldn't name my militia that if i was gonna do it anyway i mean that's right there is a bad sign with calling yourself that and i don't really want to say the name of it because anyway but uh they'll tell come on, me come on tim spit it out let's go well, we don't they have were called the anybody. reaper militia mm. reaper militia yeah and they were coming down and my contacts told me this is when they're going to be there i said okay okay, you just 
know that me and my boys will not be out in the mountains during that time. And uh, so they got down here. They're going to be here for like two weeks. They ended up being here for three days because they didn't know what the fuck they were looking at or where to go. They were expecting them to come walking into their camp or something. But uh, one of them was uh, arrested for firing at a law enforcement agent Mm. because he heard twigs snapping in the brush and wow. so they arrested him and told the rest of them you got less than 24 hours to get out of the state mm. and so once they told us they left we went out and uh, my guys found where they had stayed and they had left 26 cases of water because they didn't want to take it home and it's like wait a second you came down here to protect the border but you just left 26 cases of water to help them get further in yeah the most important thing they carry with them across the arizona desert you left it for them yep well they don't have to carry it anymore i mean we've got the uh, liberals down here the humanitarians uh i've got over 200 water drops gps put out by open border advocates that are suffering from white guilt. Oh uh, my gosh. Have you seen any Black Lives Matter flags through the desert yet? No. (laughs) (laughs) Just checking. The the closest thing was the Buffalo Soldiers uh, Cemetery. But uh, no, I got over 200 uh, water drops, GPS, and they're what we do is we monitor those because, like I said, it's so vast out here. How do you know where to put the water? Why did you put it here, but you didn't put it there? And then we're finding on the jugs that there's a four-digit number written on the jugs corresponding to where they're at. So whoever's coming over has maps and the water drops are waypoints. So they can look on their map and go, okay, here's 5260. We're right here. And then they even have subsets of those trails. If they don't feel that trail is safe, there's a splinter off of it. And it'll say 5260A or 5260B. Where Because the further in you go, say if I'm down at the line in my area, there's about half a dozen good spots to come across. But every mile you go in, that half a dozen just multiplied by four to six times of different routes you can go. So the further away you get, the spider web just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and harder and harder and harder to catch them. And so it's uh, it's so we monitor the water drops because they're letting us know where they're coming through. And we watch, we monitor them to see how often it's being refilled, uh, how many gallons they're putting out, are they putting food out with it? And uh, sometimes the food buckets, sometimes it's a gold mine. I mean, you're out there for seven days, you come across one, you open up the bucket, and there's a bag of Cheetos in there. It's like, yay, party time. I just, yeah, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Jerry. I, I wonder. Uh... It, it's a it's a strange thing where you would think under normal circumstances um, a nation who proposed to 
maintain its border and have rules of law would want to maintain it. But our nation's given it up, which makes it so that, you know, these people who want to uh, support the poor immigrants coming across the border will support them. I mean, we won't do any of the steps to maybe aid the nation down there and bolster the nation so that maybe people wouldn't want to try to escape it so bad, but. Well, and then you got to look at it also is, you know, I mean, they want to help, but they don't want them in their house. Oh God, no, no. Mm -hmm. And when you get this mass immigration, who are the first persons to leave? (laughs) The educated, the problem solvers, the critical thinkers. Yep. And once they leave, then the only ones left are the ones in power that are greedy and corrupt and they keep tromping on everything. And then the next level of education leaves, then the next level, then the next level. And so next you're left with nothing but uneducated peasants. Mm. And so it's, it's, it's a very complex issue with no easy solution hey tim i got a question i've got to jump off here in a minute but i got a question have you guys gone to civilian drones do you do you monetize the value of drones from your standpoint with your team at all uh yeah i just uh had a drone company uh come out a couple months ago and said they were going to help us out and i said well you know seeing is believing i've heard it all before in the freaking 13 years we can do this for you we can he goes no i'm so a month later, he called me up. He goes, hey, I'm going to send you a picture. So, all right. So he sent me a picture. And I go, what the hell is that? He goes, this is the drone I got you. It's a $30,000 drone. It has a thermal camera on it. And it also has a camera that uh, can zoom up to a mile. Um, yeah, he brought it and trained me up on it for a week. And uh, spent a week of his time and donated a $30,000 drone. We'll use them, but not very often. We will use them uh, after we have a group that comes in. And then if they scatter, then we can go up and start looking for them. But we don't use it as recon because it alerts everybody to, hey, somebody's over there flying a drone. I mean, we'll use it uh, to spy on the... uh, two warring factions because they're about quarter mile on the other side. So if we stay a quarter mile on this side and send it up, they can't hear it, but we can zoom in and see everything they're doing. Well, it'd be a hell of an action movie you'd make out of that. Well, I could probably make a killer on bloopers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I think, uh, well, as of the last month, I think you ought to brush up on balloons. Balloons, yeah. <laughs> my my thing was I was going to go you, over to... Uh, honestly, uh, if you want the U.S. government to pay attention down there, <laughs> I mean, they seem to respond to balloons now. Yeah. Did you see the one they shut down a Hobby Club's $12 balloon <laughs> yeah. with a $400,000... <laughs> the Illinois Penny Whistle Hobby Club or something? Yeah, yeah. It was their radio repeater that they threw up in the air. Mm. 400 grand to shoot down a $12 balloon. Woo-hoo. Yep. yep. It's Makes a insane. lot of sense. 
but it's but you know i'm i'm not a fan of the government under any circumstance so nope. it's not surprising not here either yeah yeah it's uh but i don't know i'm i'm wondering um so back to the nationalities you're seeing coming through there uh what are you seeing most of uh everybody from mostly the americas in this area really Hondurans, Guatemalans, El Salvadorians, Mexicans, uh, uh, that's the vast majority. I mean, we get a lot of uh, gangbangers, MS-13. Yeah, uh, now those are those are coming from the Honduras, correct? El Salvador, Honduras, yeah. Okay. It was started in, uh, actually it was started in L.A. And uh, to protect themselves from the Mexican the El Salvadorians got together to protect themselves from the Mexican immigrants. And then the uh, U.S. government, in their infinite wisdom, started shipping them all home. And so they started recruiting more. And they're now the world's largest gang. There's 100,000 MS-13. And they're considered one of the most violent. Oh, yeah. Because... Uh, El Salvador just opened up a brand new prison down there. And... Uh, I think it's what did they say they were going to house in that thing? Sixty thousand uh, MS thirteen. Well, you'll be happy to hear that uh, President Bukele is doing a fantastic job of purging El Salvador of MS thirteen to the point oh, yeah. where other countries around El Salvador are now fleeing to El Salvador instead of yeah, coming to America. It's used to be one of the most violent countries down there. Now it's one of the safest. Yeah, the only downside is his purging of them drives uh -huh. them up here. Well, that's if they can get away, yeah. But they were always, they've been up here since the uh, war on drugs during Reagan started. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, Nancy Reagan started that one, the war on <laughs> drugs. How's that going? Yeah, yeah. it's... A big success, I'd say. Yep, just like the war on terror. Yeah. You know, when the government puts that catchphrase on something, the war on drugs, the war on terror. Well, how about the means... war on poverty from the 60s? Yeah. You know? How it's I mean, working because there's more people in poverty. I'll tell you, the government, the government, no one's better throwing L's up on the board. Oh, yeah. Well, no when they, they do that, it's, it's just... There's no objective, there's no goal, there's no end game. It's just, let's throw as much money at it as we can to make our friends as rich as possible for as long as possible. Now, there's the thing. If the government goes, if the government initiates to fight something, um, all the incentives they have is to lose. Yeah. Because, you know, like, let's say... Everyone out at the army depot started working safely. That would be a negative for David because David is a safety guy mm -hmm. and he would no longer have a place. You know, if all of a sudden everyone just poof and we're magically safe, let's say everyone learned how to operate a hammer and uh, a, a nail gun. I would no longer have a job because I'm a handyman and I wouldn't be 
you know, going around doing these projects for people. And that's where we're at. I think you're overestimating, Jared. You can never be safe enough, and there's always work to be done. That's why we have OSHA. Christ, dude, licking the boot. Licking the safety boot. (laughs) OSHA OSHA has made construction a lot slower and a lot. It's a pain in the ass. I mean, I was was doing ironwork pre-OSHA where you would go to work in the morning and hook up the first I-beam that was going up on the crane and you'd stand on the I-beam hanging on the cable and ride it up. You can't do that anymore. Oh, God, they would have a cow. I mean, yeah, yeah. you just got to have more government, more government. We know what's good for you. We're here to help. Mm. Yep. We're <laughs> here to rescue. Well, let's take a few minutes and go through this Soldier of Fortune. Uh, I haven't seen Soldier of Fortune magazine in many years. Is that by uh, Heath Hansen? Uh, let's go to it. Yes. He's a good, good guy. He's another 82nd Airborne. Okay. Yeah. All right. He's probably the biggest paratrooper I've ever seen. He's like six foot six. <laughs> Bumped his head on the way out of the bird. Yeah, on the way out. Yep. <laughs> Actually, you know, some of the jumps, he might have just stepped out. <laughs> Been on the ground already. <laughs> yeah. And tiptoe, but, you know. All right. Um, so tell us about this. How did this happen? How did you get uh, get lined up to where you were, uh, you know, had a run in the in the uh, Soldier of Fortune? Well, uh, like I say, my, our organization is all volunteer, so anybody can put in an app, and uh, he reached out to us, and uh, being 82nd Airborne, I had a you know, soft spot for him. And he came out and uh, he knew his shit. And uh, he said, hey, I hope you don't mind. I want to write an article about you guys and get what you do out there to people. I said, sure. He's, I think he's two or three articles he has now with us out there. And he's coming out again uh, the end of next month to do another one. Uh, It's a, he's, he does pretty good writing too. I mean, yeah, I'm reading through it. He he does. It's clear writing. Um, when someone applies to join your group, what kind of background checks do you do? The process is you have to fill out basically a job application mm-hmm. uh, with all your info on it, except for your social security. We don't give a shit about your social security. And then we will look at it and see if you have any experience in military law enforcement or do you speak any other languages, things like that. And then uh, one of my guys will make a phone call and talk to you and ask, you know, how did you hear about us? What do you think we do versus what we do? And if they're okay with that, then they push them through to the uh, background check which does 50 state criminal, 50 state sexual predator, and government watch list. Mm-hmm. If you pass that, then you have to print out our rules of engagement and standard operating procedures and have those notarized, saying that basically it's 
when you notarize our rules of engagement and standard operating procedures, basically <clears throat> notarizing it makes it good in a court of law, saying, no, that's your signature. You understood how they worked. Because regardless if you fill out an application, you pass a background check and you sign a piece of paper, does not mean that you don't have ulterior motives. And I've spent too much of my time to sit there and sit in a six by eight cell for the rest of my life because of someone doing something stupid. So, Oh yeah. Uh, well, even just to draw negative attention to the group. Oh, and we, we get that every few years. Somebody does something stupid, even though they're not with us, you know, they'll have posted a picture of being with us. Oh, see, there's Arizona boy recon. Look at these. There was a guy out of California. He, made it three days before I told him to hit the bricks because when you come out with us your first time, I put you with my seasoned guys mm -hmm. and they listen and watch you because everybody's a tough guy when the sun is shining. It gets dark out there. It's dark. And you don't know what the hell's out there. I mean, I've had guys, you know, twig snaps and they're spinning and pointing rifles. And it's like, what are you doing? Well, there's something out there. Like, yeah, there's rabbits, there's deer, there's border patrol. You just can't point a gun at a noise. I mean, that's, no, you're not fit for this. You're too wired, too tight. I've asked more people to leave than has actually stayed because I don't have a good feeling about them. I, I definitely, I can imagine that. Um, the last thing you want is a uh, is a hothead out there that's gonna, you know. As much as you don't want him to come across, the last thing you want is to have some, uh, some, just regular. Uh, yeah, like Jose. like what they're trying, like they're trying to pin on the seventy six year old freaking yeah, rancher over in Keno Springs. That's mm -hmm. a big one there. That's. Uh, when you read anything coming out of the prosecutor's office or the mainstream media, they write it up as if he was out hunting people. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. then you read about some of the other stuff, and, it, and they were coming onto his property. And Well, you um, see, there was only one mention that the deceased had a radio, yeah. a two-way radio. Yeah. And the only people with two-way radios down there is cartel. And see, that's the that's the rough thing is it, I have a bad feeling that old-timer's going to get hung for this. Nah. You think he he's going to get off? Uh, well, uh, recently, what is it, uh, Wednesday, he they went from a cash million-dollar bond to a surety bond. Uh -huh. So basically, he signed over his ranch and everything else. Which is and probably so worth more than two million. What's that? It's probably worth more than two million. It, yeah, but, but uh, at I, least he's out for now. What? But, uh, where's he? What county is he getting tried in? Santa Cruz County. Santa they have Cruz. a liberal sheriff down there, and uh -huh. the judge is liberal. And probably the uh, DA. they added two more charges to him, but. In the beginning, they charged him with first-degree premeditated yeah. murder. 
they've now dropped it to second degree because the case is getting weaker and weaker. Yeah, that's that's what I called out. If they're charging in first degree, they're, they're doing it because they want to overcharge to make, say, the state prosecutor happy, and they'll overcharge and he'll walk, or they're just activists. Uh, the problem is, is if you've got a, a, a progressive sheriff... I mean, how unheard of is that? Progressive sheriffs only show up in areas that are full of dog shit progressives. Well, the county I'm in, we have a liberal sheriff also. Really? Yeah, the, the deputies, they don't like them. You know, they, they come and talk to me all the time to see what's going on. How, does, but, how, does, uh, how did he get elected there? Is your county... A liberal county. Well, Tucson is the hub of the county, and Tucson. There you go. But that's where the that's where they'll draw the jury from. Yeah, and that's that's my concern about that whole time. We're in Pima County. He was in uh, Santa Cruz County. So the the head of Santa Cruz County is Nogales. See, the interesting thing is that uh, I read uh, today that. uh, Witnesses have come forward that were there. Now, this witness says he was there, and when he heard the gunshots, they started running, and they ran back into Mexico. Now, these people who are in Mexico are now back in the United States to testify Mm -hmm. under government protection. And uh, so they're going to lie just so they can get some immigration sweetheart deal not just that but pulling a guy off off of his ranch that is an access point they pull him off they've got a they've got a freeway yep uh through yep yep Yep. and well that's what they that's what they did remember what was it uh what two years ago in mexico they um the group that were former latter-day saints down there and they killed the women and the children yeah, that's because the men were fighting back against the cartel, but the men went to town to mm-hmm. go get supplies, and that's when the cartel came in and wiped out the babies and the women, and that's when the guys go, mm-hmm. "All right, screw it, we're gone." Yeah, because they that want was, uh, that. They Mitt want that Romney's, territory. Mitt Romney's cousin. Yeah. And, yep, yep. Well, probably same grandfather, but different grandmother. Well, just throw that out there, but. Anyways, no, it was his relatives. Yep. I like how they got around Mexico's gun laws. In Mexico, you can own a gun. Right. But it has to be stored and kept at a shooting range. Well, so so the Mormon group. If it's a a hunting rifle, you can keep it. It, You can keep it in Mexico? Yeah, bolt action. Okay, but so they what they did is they built a shooting range in the center of their community and it was a, just a damn armory. Yeah. Because there's only one gun store in Mexico, and that's in Mexico City, and it's run by the Mexican military. Oh, wait. There's other gun stores in Mexico. They're across the border in Arizona, yeah. New Mexico, and Texas. Yeah, Phoenix and Tucson. <laughs> Not in California, no. but in Arizona, New Mexico, No, that's because Texas. cartel don't want 10-round <laughs> magazines with a bullet button. <laughs> Hey, hey, Tim, has anyone reached out to the wife of this rancher to give her support to make sure she's okay? Uh, well, he's home now, and yeah, there was all kinds of people as soon as it happened that were there. I mean, yeah. uh, 
just like them, uh, they were banned from GoFundMe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been banned by GoFundMe. The only uh, donation platform that allow me on it anymore. I mean, I've been booted from PayPal, from everybody. Is just like them. Give, send, go. Yeah. You yeah, know, and that's the give, only send, one. go is the only way I'd go. Yeah. Um, they're the only ones that, uh, I mean, look at look at what they did during the trucker in yeah. Canada, which was insane. They turned uh, over everything to the government. Yeah, I mean, and the uh, government told Gibson Go, you can't give them money. And going, yeah, Gibson Go said, like, we don't know. money too? Yeah. Um, yeah, the, what the Canadian, uh, Castro's kid is, uh, he's a bumbling fool, but man, he's a hell of a dictator. Yeah. Hey, but he's got some nice ethnic costume that he wears around. <laughs> You talking about his black face? Black or when he went to suit? India, he dressed his whole family in India garb. Yeah, he's, he's and they got like, off the plane, and they're all looking at him like, "The fuck are you doing?" He is. I mean, hey, they keep voting him in. So, I mean, what can you say? I, you know what? I I don't know. Is there hope for Canada? Is there hope for us? You know, I mean, that's a good point. Like, like I say. Guard the border, but keep an, keep an avenue open because we may have to go that way. Oh, yeah. Well, I got a clear shot. Yeah, we may have to. Got to come through Aravaca. Yeah. <laughs> so so when it comes to being on the border as a private citizen, are we allowed to own land right up to the border or is there a, a federal zone? Well, you see, the difference between Arizona and Texas, say, 85% of Arizona is federal land. Yeah. Just like where 85% of Texas is private land. So it makes harder to do anything in Texas. I've been, I've been asked, you want to go to Texas? And it's like, I've already read up on the laws there that if your name's not on that address or you don't have a contract saying that you're providing security for those people, then nope. Whereas us, we're in two and a half million acre national forest mm -hmm. they can't stop us it's public mm -hmm. land when you say they like are the ranchers in texas not no allowing? they as in the government well not to mention let's let me just throw this out there let's say you have a handshake deal with the rancher to watch the border on his land mm. and while you're Something on that border happens. you kill someone that yeah. rancher's going to turn around just like those car dealership guys at Rittenhouse was watching the dealership for and go, I don't know this guy. Yep. So not only do you get popped for murder, you get popped for trespass while you murder. And that's a different, you come out West, Richard Nixon, when he took us off the international gold standard, he had to have something to sell the world to tidy him over. So he nationalized all the land in Utah, Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, Idaho, most of Montana. Anything west of the anything west of the Mississippi. West of the Rocky, well, up to the Rockies and west. And he did that because he had to have land to use as leverage so that people didn't run away from the dollar. And then while that was in place, then he got his guys working around the world and set up the petrodollar. 
But that's why all the land out here is federal. None of it's none of it's even state property. It's all federal. Well, they got to sell us in the slavery somehow. Sell us? Past tense. Sold us. They've got to have sold us into slavery. <laughs> yeah. But well, Tim, this has been a great chat. Um, man. If my brother was still down in Huachuca and I go down to visit, I'd swing down over there and see where you're working at. Well, anytime you're in the neighborhood, just give a give a jingle. Yeah, uh, I may have to swing down there. I want to. If you want to see some of what we see, go on our uh, YouTube channel, Arizona Border Recon, and I put some stuff up there, but I don't put a lot of everything up there because they're watching also. Yeah, both yeah. the government and the cartel. Yeah, so. that that's true. You don't want to. I mean, the government will just screw it up if they try to do anything. You don't. Well, and it's like I'll put stuff up. Sometimes, if it's really good, I'll put it up months later. And yeah. The first comment out of people's mouths are, "Well, dude, that's old." It's like, well, it's called OPSEC. Yeah. You know, I'll tell operational you what. security. I'm not going to put it up there. Oh, look what happened today. If we want to control our border, we have to petition the government, Republican or Democrat, to have open borders and get the government to where the government screams open borders and will never have another person cross because the government will fuck up anything they touch. That's yeah. sarcasm, Tim. Yeah. Uh, is it? it uh, Where's the government success? Well, you Where's know, their success? When I first got here, the vast majority of our area was just a four-strand barbed wire fence. And I was going, no way in hell will I ever do it. And then when Trump got in, but they dogged him for so long that it took him so long to start in on it down here. We got 17 miles of fence. Mm-hmm. But in that 17 miles, there's about 20 freaking holes in it, mm. you know, that were never finished. Yep. and. It's it, and then at the end of the fence, which is where we go, there's a 15 mile gap of nothing. Yeah, because you got the environmentalists that come out. Oh my God, the three toed salamander or some damn thing <laughs> is oh, it's this habitat and it's going to take a hundred years to come back. It's like I have the perfect solution. I just think we ought to plant hundred yard wide patch along the whole border of landmines it's called choya it's also its nickname is jumping cactus yeah it is the most brutal freaking plant <laughs> out here i've well, seen i've chased scouts before through they hit a hundred yard patch of that stuff and they were going through it and i see if you win i ain't yeah. going that shit well it honestly here's the answer you do is um this is just my thoughts. Step one, we stop the drug war. We've got to stop incentivizing them to bring drugs across. Step two, instant death penalty for sex crimes, shit like that. Just if you're if you're involved in sex trafficking, we we smoke you in the street and send your family a letter to come pick your happy ass up. And step three, we don't offer um any welfare to anyone here illegally you've got to have processed paperwork if you want to get on a housing list on a medical list any of that and you do that one 
it saves us money, you know, and two, I mean, but the, those are the three things that come across. You get people who want to come across to migrant work, actually kind of support that. I say the when, legal way to do see, it. When Reagan first did the first amnesty, do you know who was the most vehemently opposed to it? Hugo Chavez? Cesar Chavez. Yeah, Cesar Chavez. That's his name. Uh, Hugo. Yeah. Cesar Chavez didn't want it because he was the... He didn't want illegal immigration. He wanted legal immigration. He wanted controlled... Cesar Chavez used to go around and beat the shit out of illegal... Oh, yeah. He'd send 300 guys to the border and fucking pound them back over. If he saw illegals crossing the border, they would wait and beat them up. Like, hospitalize people. Yeah. See, a lot of people... but. They don't teach you that in history class. Let's just name a street after him because he was a Mexican American advocate for. It's like but yeah, but is, you just spun it. And I would I would set it up like this: if you want to come to this country as a migrant worker, one, you stay in Mexico and you find the job, and then you write the job, you apply for the job, that job hires you and takes a limited liability over you over ensuring you're housed and taken care of and you have a job. And then you come across and you work for that job. And then from there, you can apply for citizenship. You can well, we also need to home. We also need to get rid of birthright citizenship. Do you know how many countries on the planet have that? A lot of my wife's friends that are really wealthy. She, my wife's from Brazil, by the way. And huh. like, like she knows people who literally just come to america to birth their baby to get that citizenship yep there's only six countries that do that Mm. see and that's because they spin it and in the bill of rights it's like the 10th amendment it's the 10th or the 14th i can't remember Uh, but it was put in there for the slaves it said unless you have an allegiance to a foreign government, then regardless if you give birth, it's not a citizen. See, they did that so that the uh, ambassadors and shit way back then couldn't come over and birth a kid and go, okay, we're staying here. Mm -hmm. We're not leaving. But they've spun it and said, don't, don't, let's wipe that last piece out. So if you're coming over here illegally and you're Mexican citizen or Honduran or wherever you're from, you still have an allegiance to that country because you didn't go through the process of legal immigration. And it's a bitch. I've done it before for my ex-wife. You know, she's from Canada. And what a freaking nightmare that was. But if you want something bad enough, I don't know, did you go through the citizenship program? You know, I explored every avenue. So I know how much they're on the take for too back then. No. It's 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 brutal. I mean, I would the security guards out in front of the uh, INS building knew me after about three visits because they're going, dude, you're going to be maintaining calm today. I said, yeah, if they can understand goddamn English going across <laughs> the damn counter. Well, you know, I go there one time and they go, what are you here for? I'm mm-hmm. here for to get her a green card. Okay, here, fill this out and come back in three weeks. I come back in three weeks. I go, what the hell's that? That's going. They told me to fill this out to get her a green card. No, no, no. You need to fill this out. Come back in three weeks. At least you didn't have to fly to Rio. Well, they, no. what they, we need to, we do need to make our 
process for people becoming migrants easier. We mm-hmm. need to make our process for people. Um, I think becoming a citizen, I think that should be a hard test, you know. Well, we, we allow a million people a year to immigrate here legally. And uh, plus there's two million work visas. And I mean. See, I, and I don't even want quotas on this. I want it. If you in Mexico or in El Salvador or in Honduras or in wherever can find a place that wants to hire you and take that limited responsibility for you, then come on. Especially if you're willing to pay taxes. I mean, yeah, I don't want an upper low limit. I don't want any of that. I want to have a sponsored system and that's it. So you might have a guy in California that'll sponsor guys to come pick a uh, fruit down in Southern California for six months a year. I'm just hiring you guys for six months. And those guys can voluntarily say, yes, I want to come work there for six months. I'm going to make more than I'll make down here in that six months, more than I'd make in two years in Mexico. I'm going to do that. And you know, and that's fine. Have a system. That's what the dope dope meals do. Yeah. And we've got to stay handsomely to run a load of drugs up the juice on and they turn around and go home and live like a king and then do it again. Yeah. We have to stop at least the way we're fighting or, or the way we're prosecuting the war on drugs, because it is an abstract failure. It is horrendous. See, that's because there's so much money to be made in the prison system. Well, there's that. And well, instead of why are we not opening up? drug rehab centers and just filling those up yes look at san francisco yeah they just bought up a bunch of old buildings and they're turning them into city legalized shooting galleries but they're not doing the rehab part and no and the next thing you've got to do this is the most important of ending the war on drugs is your dealer of fentanyl or heroin or whatever should be the same dealer that gives you your viagra and it should be well, that pharmacist. You're pharmacy. under the impression, see, they want this to happen mm-hmm. because these people who are dope fiends, that's one part of society they don't have to worry about. The only thing those people are worried about is going out and getting their next high. You're they right. don't have to worry about them voting. They don't have to worry about them yep. anything. I mean, it's this is all part of the game plan you're a hundred percent right on that well and also the dope fiends for both parties give someone they can talk about uh, when they're when they're running so the republicans can come out and say look at these people we've got to figure out how to make them better and the democrats can come out and say look at these people we've got to figure out how to give them free housing and you know, wipe their ass after they shit. That is exactly because they are just like everyone else. Just like this is going to sound rough, but right now, I mean, if you're African-American, you're just a, you're just someone for both parties to speak about in the abstract. Yeah. Well, you know, with the epidemic of drugs that's going on and the amount of people dying from overdoses, it's about 117,000 a year now. Mm-hmm. But last year, Congress, because they wanted to show they were doing something and earning their money and why you voted for them, 
they made May 17th Fentanyl Awareness Day. Ooh. <laughs> I feel safer already. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what we're paying for. for yep. the, the system when, when is they broken. extract it from you by force. You can at least say, you know, it's not like you had a choice. Yeah. How about uh, how about Biden after that train wreck that's going to be causing cancer down the road? Goes over to Ukraine and drops them off a, a cool on President's Day. Fifty million dollars. I thought it was five on President's or Day. Five hundred million or whatever. Yep. You know, and okay. that was on George Washington's birthday. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then. And then, so Russia's pissed. So now Russia jumps out of the START agreement, which was was the latest non-proliferation treaty. So, and now Russia's, I mean, Russia's got, Russia has people high in their government that are calling for nuclear first strikes. And Russia, unlike us, does not have a no first strike, uh, what would you call it? No first strike l- rule in their government. We have a no first strike rule? Yes, we do. Well, see, That's stupid. So with Ukraine, what people don't know is the area of, uh, what's it, Dombrinsk? Donetsk. Dombrinsk, the Donetsk furthest in Linusk, somewhere. Like <laughs> but, uh, Two weeks prior, before Russia going in there, the Ukrainians were shelling the shit out of the place they because were, they were ethnic Russians. They were shelling it for eight years. Eight and years so, they were shelling the Donetsk. And all the way back in from 2005, Putin's been telling them, quit expanding NATO eastward, eastward. And if you look at a map in 2005 to now, they're surrounded. Yep. Yeah, and when he went in, I've been preaching started- that. I've been preaching that from the word go. That this has been. I still think that you, the Ukraine is a planned operation uh, by NATO to make mm-hmm. Russia the permanent enemy, so we can keep up with this uh, this uh, militaristic state, and they can rob us blind as this, as we fall as we. Oh, yeah. Now, what did they say? Uh, they, they just went and told Ukraine, dude, you got to calm down on the artillery shells. <laughs> yeah. They were shooting 90,000, 155 millimeter shells yeah. a month. What yeah. in the hell is still standing after a year of 90,000? That's a million freaking shells. But remember, they were shooting those shells into other Ukrainian cities. <laughs> yeah, this is true. But still, there should be nothing left. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's a it, joke. Our media tells us, you know, Russia bad, Ukraine good. Uh-huh. Um, it's not like Zelensky didn't get in there and outlaw the Russian language, which made his military deplete by three quarters. So then he turned to the, to the, the, uh, Azov. Nazi light party in the West and hired them on first as a national guard and then establishment into the old military because his military forces were depleted. And then they, when they got introduced into the Donetsk in, you know, 2016, uh, they really amped up the shelling and war crimes, which 
on the other side of the world, if you listen to the news, Russia invaded the Ukraine because of that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, I would have done the same damn thing, too. It's right on his border. Well, and it's his people. Yeah. But, you know, they call it television for a reason. <laughs> television. You know, telling you a vision of what they want you to know. Yep. They are programming us. That's why it's called a TV program. Yep. You know, no, it's, I, it's, it's, it, I mean, you know, I, I wonder if we can spend money. So the half-assed just without, without abandon, right? Um, why are we even taxed anymore? Why do I have to go nil and place your uh, government official once a year just to say, you know, yes, I earned some of your money this year and you better well, make sure that I what's sad, I worked, you know, four plus decades and then I get social security and they want to tax me on it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or, like, or property tax. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm a 44-year-old mobile home, and they still taxing this thing. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. How are the taxes in Arizona? Not bad. I mean, uh, let's see, driver's license, 24 years for 25 bucks. Now, that uh, is Arizona's has an awesome driver's license program. And then uh, my trucks, they're all registered for four years, and it ran me uh, 55 bucks. Jesus. For each truck or? Yeah. Okay. 55 bucks for four years. Wow. Yeah. Here in Utah. It's cheaper if you buy it more and more years out. I wish Utah offered I got, that. I got to pay 200 bucks a year no matter what for each vehicle, it seems like. Well, not, yeah, well, in, you're lucky. not in about six more years. Because then you drop to where you don't have to anymore. It doesn't cost as much. California is now going to base it not upon how old your vehicle is it's how much it weighs <laughs> if you got a pickup truck in california you're oh, looking at anywhere from 800 to 1200 a year well, those, those electric batteries are not they're not like these fragile light as a feather <laughs> equipment no the the electric trucks weigh double what a gas pickup truck weighs no it's uh, yeah uh i wouldn't and it's crying shame. California is the Garden of Eden. It's the prettiest overall place on planet Earth. They've got dealt in every ace in the deck when it comes to resources and, and they, land. They just they just are on a race to to see how driving into fast, the ground. Yeah, yeah. How fast can we collapse the fifth economy in the world? I mean, I was born and raised there. And mm. I got out in 2001. Mm. See ya. Yeah. All right, Tim. Thanks for coming on, man. Let's, All right. Let's plug your uh, 501c3 one more time and your webpage, please. And your YouTube channel. Hey, uh, ArizonaBorderRecon.org is the border outfit. You can also find us on YouTube, Arizona Border Recon, or on Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook Arizona Border Recon. Uh, my the veterans organization we started is called Arizona Veterans Retreat. That's and that's ArizonaVeteransRetreat.org. 
you can see what we're planning for the place, some of the work we've done. I just finished some last week. I'm going to get the video up. And then uh, if your people want to help, it's my name, Tim Foley at GiveSendGo.com. Uh, uh, our basic expense now is fuel. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've bought everything else. I've spent over $200,000 of my own money. Uh, I cashed out two pensions uh, when 08 collapsed and bought radios and everything you can think of, laptops, radios, everything. And uh, But I can't get into everything that we have. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. OPSEC. Yeah. yeah. But anytime you want an update, feel free to give a jingle. Yeah, for sure. And if anything new comes up, you know, and you want to get on the horn, just let us know. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you, Tim. Everyone's Tim Foley. Thanks for joining us. And uh, thank you for having me. Yes, sir. We will. Uh, we'll see you next week.